The Six Chief Parts of the Small Catechism by Martin Luther Translated by F. Benty and W. H. T. Dow This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Number 1. The Ten Commandments As the head of the family should teach them in a simple way to his household. The First Commandment Thou shalt have no other gods. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The Second Commandment Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not curse, swear, use witchcraft, lie, or deceive by His name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. The Third Commandment Thou shalt sanctify the holy day. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God, that we may not despise preaching and His word, but hold it sacred, and gladly hear and learn it. The Fourth Commandment. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long upon the earth. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God, that we may not despise, nor anger our parents and masters, but give them honor, serve, obey, and hold them in love and esteem. The Fifth Commandment. Thou shalt not kill. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need, in every need and danger of life and body. The Sixth Commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may lead a chaste and decent life in words and deeds, and each love and honor his spouse. The Seventh Commandment. Thou shalt not steal. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not take our neighbor's money or property, nor get them by false wear or dealing, but help him to improve and protect his property in business, that his means are preserved and his condition is improved. The Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not deceitfully belie, betray, slander, or defame our neighbor, but defend him, think and speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything. The Ninth Commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not craftily seek to get our neighbor's inheritance or house and obtain it by a show of justice and right and so forth, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. The Tenth Commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is his. What does this mean? Answer. We should fear and love God that we may not estrange, force, or entice away our neighbor's wife, servants, or cattle, but urge them to stay and diligently do their duty. What does God say of all these commandments? Answer. 
He says thus, Exodus 20, verse 5 and following, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? Answer, God threatens to punish all that transgress these commandments. Therefore we should dread his wrath and not act contrary to these commandments. But he promises grace and every blessing to all that keep these commandments. Therefore we should also love and trust in him, and gladly do, zealously and diligently order our whole life according to his commandments. Number two, the creed, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. The first article of creation. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? Answer. I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my limbs, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them, in addition thereto clothing and shoes, meat and drink, house and homestead, wife and children, fields, cattle, and all my goods, that he provides me richly and daily with all that I need to support this body and life, protects me from all danger, and guards me and preserves me from all evil. And all this, out of pure, fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me, for all which I owe it to him to thank, praise, serve, and obey him, this is most certainly true. The second article of redemption. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. What does this mean? Answer. I believe that Jesus Christ true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won, delivered me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, in order that I may be wholly his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. The third article of sanctification. I believe in the Holy Ghost, one holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? Answer. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, even as he calls, 
gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian Church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In which Christian Church he forgives daily and richly all sins to me and all believers, and at the last day will raise up me and all the dead, and will give to me and all believers in Christ everlasting life. This is most certainly true. Number three, the Lord's Prayer, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? Answer, God would thereby, with this little introduction, tenderly urge us to believe that he is our true Father, and that we are his true children, so that we may ask him confidently, with all assurance, as dear children ask their dear Father. The First Petition Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? Answer. God's name is indeed holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may become holy among us also. How is this done? Answer. When the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives in accordance with it. To this end help us, dear Father in heaven. But he that teaches and lives otherwise than God's word teaches profanes the name of God among us. From this preserve us, Heavenly Father. The second petition, Thy kingdom come. What does this mean? Answer, The kingdom of God comes indeed without our prayer, of itself. But we pray in this petition that it may come unto us also. How is this done? Answer, When our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word, and lead a godly life here in time and yonder in eternity. The third petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? Answer. The good and gracious will of God is done indeed, without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is this done? Answer. When God breaks and hinders every evil counsel and will, which would not let us hallow the name of God, nor let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our flesh, but strengthens and keeps us steadfast in his word and faith unto our end, this is his gracious and good will. The fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? Answer. God gives daily bread, even without our prayer, to all wicked men. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to know it, and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Answer. Everything that belongs to the support and wants of the body, such as meat, drink, clothing, shoes, house, homestead, field, cattle, money, goods, a pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful magistrates, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. The fifth petition, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? Answer. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sins, nor deny such petitions on account of them. For we are worthy of none of the things for which we pray, neither have we deserved them, but that he would grant them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much, and indeed deserve nothing but punishment. So will we verily, on our part, also heartily forgive, and also readily do good to those who sin against us. The Sixth Petition And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? Answer God indeed tempts no one. But we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us, so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us, nor seduce us into misbelief, despair, and other great shame and vice. And though we be assailed by them, that still we may finally overcome and gain the victory. The Seventh Petition But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? Answer We pray in this petition as in a summary, that our Father in heaven would deliver us from all manner of evil, of body and soul, property and honor. And at last, when our last hour shall come, grant us a blessed end, and graciously take us from this veil of tears to himself in heaven. Amen. What does this mean? Answer. That I should be certain that these petitions are acceptable to our Father in heaven and heard. For he himself has commanded us so to pray, and has promised that he will hear us. Amen, amen, that is, yea, yea, it shall be so. Number four, the sacrament of holy baptism, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. First, what is baptism? Answer, baptism is not simple water only, but it is the water comprehended in God's command and connected with God's word. Which is that word of God? Answer, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Go ye into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Secondly, what does baptism give or profit? Answer, it works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are such words and promises of God? Answer, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Thirdly, how can water do such great things? Answer, it is not the water indeed that does them, but the word of God which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts such word of God in the water. For without the word of God the water is simple water and no baptism. But with the word of God it is a baptism, that is, a gracious water of life, and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Ghost, as St. Paul says, Titus chapter 3, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that, 
being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. Fourthly, what does such baptizing with water signify? Answer, it signifies that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts. And again a new man daily come forth and arise, who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? Answer, St. Paul says, Romans chapter 6, We are buried with Christ by baptism into death, that, like as he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Number 5. Confession. How Christians should be taught to confess. What is confession? Answer. Confession embraces two parts. The one is that we confess our sins. The other, that we receive absolution, or forgiveness, from the confessor as from God himself, and in no wise doubt, but firmly believe that our sins are thereby forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Answer. Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even of those which we do not know, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the confessor, we should confess those sins alone which we know and feel in our hearts. Which are these? Answer. Here, consider your station according to the Ten Commandments, whether you are a father, mother, son, daughter, master, mistress, a manservant or maidservant, whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, slothful, whether you have grieved anyone by words or deeds, whether you have stolen, neglected, or wasted aught, or done other injury. Pray, propose to me a brief form of confession. Answer. You should speak to the confessor thus. Reverend and dear sir, I beseech you to hear my confession and to pronounce forgiveness to me for God's sake. Proceed. I, a poor sinner, confess myself before God guilty of all sins. Especially I confess before you that I am a manservant, a maidservant, and so forth. But alas, I serve my master unfaithfully, for in this and in that I have not done what they commanded me. I have provoked them and caused them to curse, have been negligent in many things and permitted damage to be done have also been immodest in words and deeds, have quarreled with my equals, have grumbled and sworn at my mistress, and so forth. For all this I am sorry, and pray for grace. I want to do better. A master or mistress may say this, In particular, I confess before you that I have not faithfully trained my children, domestics, and wife, family, for God's glory. I have cursed, set a bad example by rude words and deeds, have done my neighbor harm and spoken evil of him, have overcharged and given false wear and short measure, and whatever else he has done against God's commandment and his station, and so forth. But if anyone does not find himself burdened with such or greater sins, he should not trouble himself, or search for, or invent other sins, 
and thereby make confession a torture, but mention one or two that he knows. Thus, in particular, I confess that I once cursed. Again, I once used improper words. I have once neglected this or that, and so forth. Let this suffice. But if you know of none at all, which, however, is scarcely possible, then mention none in particular, but receive the forgiveness upon your general confession which you make before God to the confessor. Then shall the confessor say, God be merciful to thee and strengthen thy faith. Amen. Furthermore, Dost thou believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Answer, Yes, dear sir. Then let him say, As thou believest, so be it done unto thee. And by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive thee thy sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Depart in peace. But those who have great burdens upon their consciences, or are distressed and tempted, the confessor will know how to comfort, and to encourage to faith with more passages of Scripture. This is to be merely a general form of confession for the unlearned. Number six, the sacrament of the altar, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. What is the sacrament of the altar? Answer, it is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the bread and wine, for us Christians to eat and to drink, instituted by Christ himself. Where is this written? Answer, the holy evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write thus, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks he brake it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Take, drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. What is the benefit of such eating and drinking? Answer, that is shown us in these words, given and shed for you for the remission of sins. Namely, that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Answer, it is not the eating and drinking, indeed, that does them, but the words which stand here, namely, given and shed for you for the remission of sins, which words are, besides the bodily eating and drinking, as the chief thing in the sacrament. And he that believes these words has what they say and express, namely, the forgiveness of sins. Who, then, receives such sacrament worthily? Answer. Fasting and bodily preparation is indeed a fine outward training, but he is truly worthy and well prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the remission of sins. 
But he that does not believe these words, or doubts, is unworthy and unfit. For the words, for you, require altogether believing hearts. End of the six chief parts. Recording by Jonathan Lang.